Humanities, philosophy, psychology, sociology, anthropology. They all come back at some point to Jesus. They have to deal with this prophet from Nazareth 2,000 years ago. So people say, oh, I don't believe in Jesus, but they've never actually spent any time finding out what he said. But God speaks to us through Jesus. And he always has. There's all kinds of philosophies and educational pathways that explore the human mind, how the universe works, and why you're even here. These can be enlightening, but they tend to bypass the one who created it all in the first place. Pastor Daniel will remind you today that God is speaking to you, and he always has. He has the answers you are looking for. You can find them in Jesus, in his life, and in the biography of his life, the Bible. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Exodus, chapter 25, with his continuing study called God's Chosen Furniture. Atonement means to cover, to bring back into unity. That's what it means. So it's interesting that all this thing about the box, a lot of energy is put into the lid, the cover, the atoning cover, the covering that goes over it. Notice, notice this. It's created, it's pure gold, and there are two cherubim on it. Notice verse 18, verse 19. These two cherubim were a type of angelic being. So cherub is a singular, cherubim, if you I am on the end of a word means plural. That's why you guys have heard of Elohim. It's one of the, one of the Hebrew words for God. It, it denotes plurality. In Hebrew, I am makes something plural. That's what, that's how Hebrew works. So cherubim, it's two cherub. So it's like if you have kid and kids, we put an S on the end. I am, that's how it is in Hebrew. So these two angels, they're made of one piece of, of hammered gold. They're facing each other and their wings are touching. Okay, so all this information, the lid becomes extraordinarily important. Now, why is the lid important? Look at verse 22. And there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. You see that? God's going to speak to them from the mercy seat. God's going to speak to them from this atonement cover. Now, so this is a box. Everything's gold. The lid, gold. Two angels, their wings are touching, facing each other. And into that box, the Ark of the Covenant, God says, I want you to put the two tables of stone. Know what else God asked him to put in over time? He asked him to put in a little jar with some of the manna that fell from heaven. 
he asked him also to put in Aaron's rod that budded. We're going to get to all this. Now think about this. In this box is God's law. In this box is the bread from heaven. And in this box is, remember what happened when Aaron's rod budded, and we'll get to this in a bunch of months. There was a rebellion against Moses and Aaron's leadership. A lot of people said, why is Moses and Aaron leading us? We could do it just as well. So God said, I want everyone to take their staff. I want you to put it. I want you to put it in the tabernacle. And whichever one of those staffs blossoms overnight, that's who my leader is. And sure enough, they came in the next day and Aaron's rod budded. This was God's chosen leader. All of this is inside this box that has this atoning cover with the angels. Who does all of this point to? To Jesus. Jesus is the only person in history who kept God's law in his heart, in motivation and action. Only person. The only person who's taken every single commandment both in action and motivation and intention and honored God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your father ate miraculous bread in the wilderness and they died. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have everlasting life. Jesus is the bread of life. Even though the children of Israel, a lot of them rejected the authority and position of Jesus, Jesus is still the rod that budded. He was still, even though people said, I don't want this man to rule over me, he is still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And don't miss the fact in John's gospel, remember when they looked in the tomb, how many angels were sitting there over that slab where Jesus' body was laid? There was two angels in there. And John goes so far to say that there was one on each side. And this is the one place that once a year to make an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people, once a year the high priest could go in and take the blood of that offering and put it where? On the mercy seat, on the cover. That high priest once a year would go in with blood to make atonement, to look for forgiveness for the children of Israel. You imagine when those guys looked into that tomb Jesus' body, no doubt, was blood-soaked after his, the ordeal of the lashes and the cross. That slab that his body was laid on, no doubt blood went through onto that slab. And they looked in, they saw the blood on the slab with the two angels. And no doubt one of those guys were like, whoa. Don't miss either that when Jesus died on the cross, what happened to the veil in the temple? It was ripped from the top down. All the priests who were in the temple at that time looked into the Holy of Holies. They'd never seen it before, except for the high priest. Because Jesus is saying, I'm opening the doors to my presence. Not just the high priest, one chosen guy of a certain family. Anybody can come. And the Ark of the Covenant points right to who? Jesus. Because Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. That's why when John the Baptist saw Jesus walk, he said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why is Jesus the Lamb of God? Because he is the sacrificial lamb that was offered for the sins of the people. 
This was always in the heart of God. By placing all of these, this custom furniture together, God's pointing to his own son. Oh, and don't miss, this whole thing's gold. What did they bring to a baby with his parents when he was born? Jesus. Gold. Gold has always been symbolic of kings. Some of you are like, hey, I feel like a king. I got a cougarand. But gold has always been the currency of kings. Always. Always. This whole thing's gold. Because the Ark of the Covenant points right to Jesus. And don't miss verse 22. And there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you. The book of Hebrews begins in various times. God spoke through the prophets. But now he speaks to us through who? Through Jesus. Jesus is the new and better ark of the covenant. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. Jesus is the one through whom God speaks. And what's interesting is I talk to people all the time. I love to share the gospel with people. People say, well, I don't understand. Why does it have to be Jesus? I'm like, well, because God chose it to be through Jesus. People say, I believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I'm like, well, then you don't believe in God. Because Jesus said, if you believe in God, you believe in me. And the reason I think people can hold to these beliefs is they actually have never thought about what Jesus said or even read it. Most people don't believe in Jesus because they've actually never taken the time to read the words of the wisest man who ever lived. We can read all sorts of things. Magazines, they're fun. The newspaper, internet posts, it's all fun. Blogs, whatever you like. But how silly is it to neglect the wisest person who ever lived? The person by whom we date our calendar. Every single discipline, academic discipline, at some point refers to Jesus. Everyone comes back to it. All the humanities, philosophy, psychology, sociology, anthropology, they all come back at some point to Jesus. They have to deal with this prophet from Nazareth 2,000 years ago. So people say, oh, I don't believe in Jesus, but they've never actually spent any time finding out what he said. But God speaks to us through Jesus. And he always has. I'm sure there's someone in here today saying, you know, I don't really believe in, you know, like how can a guy 2,000 years ago be able to talk to me about my life? As if people change, although situations change. Sure, we don't do cubits today. We do inches and feet but the human heart has always been the same. Anyone who's ever read even a little history realizes that there's nothing new under the sun. Humans are really good at being awful to one another in no matter what culture. Humanity has always had the same problems. Poverty has always existed. Didn't Jesus say the poor you'll have with you always? In some six, 7,000 years of humanity, we haven't figured out how to fix the simplest ills. Why? Because we've never actually taken Jesus at his word. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Could you imagine if all the living souls took one sentence of Jesus' advice and lived it out? Do you think we'd have poverty? No, we wouldn't. That's why the Gospels are so important to us. That's why the teachings of Jesus are so important to us. Because God said, I'm going to speak to you at the atoning cover at the mercy seat 
I'm going to speak to you. And that has always been God's plan. So first and foremost, we get the Ark of the Covenant. Now notice what happens in verse 23. We're going to see the table for the showbread. You shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around it. You shall make for it a frame of a handbreadth all around, and you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. And you shall make for it four rings of gold and put the rings on the four corners that are at its four legs. The rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, and its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Now, In the Holy of Holies, only the high priest went, the Ark of the Covenant there. Within the holy place or the tabernacle, which would end up becoming the temple, there were three pieces of furniture. There's the table of showbread. There's the menorah or the, the great candlestick, the golden lampstand. And then, of course, there's the altar of incense. So this is one of the three pieces of furniture within the tabernacle. This is the table of the showbread. Notice again... Notice again, the table was three feet long and a foot and a half foot wide by 27 inches high. Just doing the math on the cubits. Again, made of the same wood, overlaid with gold. It's got molding around it. A hand breadth, of course, is the width of your hand. So is that four inches or whatever? So it's almost the exact same layout for it. It's got rings and poles. Why? Because it's mobile. So once again, God's thinking, this thing's going to be moved around, right? Very, very simple. Notice what happens. In verse 29, it gets unique because there's plates and dishes, pitchers and bowls. So this has the idea of just a normal table set that there's going to be, and I'm going to explain all this for you. And then ultimately, this is where the bread's going to go. The bread is going to go. Now, Remember, God has made a covenant with the children of Israel. And in that culture, every covenant was confirmed by a covenantal celebration. We saw that a few weeks back, didn't we? Where God had them come up to the mountain and they had table fellowship together. It's kind of like if we could share a table together, then we are in agreement with one another. And so the showbread functions as another reminder that God has come to peace with the people that they can share a meal together, that they are no longer at odds with one another. And what's interesting is this showbread, it might be best translated the bread of the presence, of the presence or the bread of faces. And the idea is, is that there is a table set with fresh bread between God and the people which has the implication that there is perpetual fellowship, that we have the opportunity to be together. It'd be like potlucks all the time with the Lord. That's what the implication is. But think about it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. The bread 
was meant to only be eaten by the priests. We have one time David and his warriors get a little bit of it. And Jesus brings that up in the Gospels. Let he who hears, let him understand. Go do the homework on that. But this was the food for the priests. And again, we go to the book of Leviticus, explains it more. We find that there's going to be how many pieces of bread or loaves? Twelve. In stacks of six and six, symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel. The provision of God, of the bread of life for all of his chosen people. Jesus, I'm the bread of life. See, when we hear Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life, we think, okay, Jesus is like the wonder bread of life, okay. But for the children of Israel, when he says, I'm the bread of life, they automatically think the miraculous manna from heaven and the table of showbread that stands, that sits, reminding the people that they have a relationship with God, that God has given them an opportunity and made a commitment to them. See, even we hear words like covenant, it doesn't mean the same thing to us because we are really bad at making covenants and keeping covenants. And we have a huge legal system that's all about you broke a covenant, you, broke, you made an agreement, you broke it, you signed documents, you went back on it. We, our whole culture is, is surrounded by broken covenants. And what's interesting is in a fallen world, covenants break. But when a covenant is made with a perfect and holy God, that covenant doesn't break. We may fail, but he doesn't fail. And that's why God put the table of showbread there to be like, look, I've made a covenant with you. And this is going to sit here perpetually to remind you that I have made a promise to you that I intend to keep. And that's why one of the fruits of the Spirit is faithfulness. Because God is faithful. That doesn't mean that God does everything the way we want Him to. What it means is that God, being all-knowing and all-wise, will always do what's in our ultimate best interest, even if we don't understand it. And I believe that's why the book of Job is in the Bible. The book of Job is in the Bible to remind us that we do not understand everything about everything. And if we're quite honest we understand very little about a lot of things. Because everything that went on for Job, everything that went on, Job didn't understand it. Did God ever tell him why he did it? No. God simply told Job, Job, you don't understand what's going on. The last four or five chapters, you just don't understand. Now, I believe that this is for somebody here today, or maybe a lot of you. There's things going on and you don't understand what God is doing. And you're just like, God, I just want to know why. And God's not telling you. I want to encourage you to be okay with God not having to tell you everything. Because he's God. Some, sometimes God leaves things for us not to know. Because if he tells us everything, then we don't have to walk by faith at all. We don't have to believe in him. We have to simply just be like, oh, well, I'll only trust God if he tells me every single detail I need to know. We punish our kids for acting that way. I won't eat my green beans unless you explain to me why I need them. Well, let me explain you every detail about, you know what I'm, you understand what I'm saying? See, God is God and we are not. God is all knowing and we have a very limited view of what is going on. The smartest person in here has 
maybe a decent amount of information on something very small. But God knows the beginning and the end as, it's, as if it's the ever-present right now. God is the Alpha and the Omega at the same time. God is under no obligation to us to explain everything. And I'll be honest with you, a God who explains everything to us so we don't have to trust him isn't worthy to be praised. A God who we can understand every single detail is not a God worthy of worship. So for us, I believe God wants us to trust him. God wants us to learn how to trust, especially when we don't understand. It's easy to trust what we do understand. But we believe in a God who will work all things together for good, for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose. That's what Romans 8.28 says. And that doesn't mean that he's going to make everything the way we think good is. He's saying, I'm going to use all of this to make you more like Jesus, which is who you really want to be. But oftentimes, we just want what we want, right? So a lot of times, God doesn't give us all the details. He doesn't explain everything to us. But he is God. And he knows exactly, exactly what he's doing. And for you and I, what we need to remember when we don't understand, how many times have you heard it? When there's something you don't understand, what should you do? Rely on what you do understand. So in the things that go on that we don't understand, we come back to, what do I understand? Well, I understand that God loves me and sees me for who I really am. That God knows everything about me and sees my flaws. And he loves me. And how do I know he loves me? Do we feel it all the time? No. We know he loves us because he sent Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. I said, well, how, how do I know that? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That means God loved you enough to send his own son to take the punishment that you deserved. So when all of life makes no sense, you're like, well, what do I understand? That God does love me. That God is for me and not against me. And that's why being raised in a broken world, that grace, that gospel is so hard to embrace. It's so hard to embrace because it's so different from everything else. Everywhere else we learn, you will be blessed or get what you want if you do what somebody, what is expected of you. That if you don't do what's expected of you, you're going to get hurt and something bad's going to happen. We have all this stuff, right? If you're speeding on the highway and a cop's behind you, you're going to get a ticket. Right? That's justice. Or maybe not. But God's way is you're speeding on a highway and he pulls you over and he gives you a brand new car, a bunny, and a cookie. That's what grace, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel moved on to the table of showbread today, describing its construction as well as its purpose. This table was ornate and beautiful, reflecting the God who designed it. It held the food that would feed those in ministry, along with representing the 12 tribes of Israel. God's attention to detail didn't end with the creation of the tabernacle. He's designing your life and is taking care to place everything in order. 
If you've enjoyed Pastor Daniel's teaching today on Jesus is Real Radio, we'd like to invite you to join us at Crossroads Community Church for our Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you can't come in person, you can still be part of our vital congregation by tuning in to our live stream. Find out more at crossroadschurch.net. That's crossroadschurch.net. Hi, friends. Pastor Daniel here. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at crossroadschurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel will remind you that you can trust God, especially when things don't make sense. God doesn't always explain himself, and because of who he is, he doesn't need to. God will always do what he knows is best, and his timing is perfect. Pastor Daniel will remind you that if God gave you the details of every moment of your life, well, there'd be no reason to trust him. That's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.